question. Um, I want to read one part of Acts that we read this week and kind of look at it as a um, an introduction to Ephesians. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you again for the ability to gather together, and we pray that you would um, anoint this time, God. I pray that you prepare our hearts uh, for this next season of, of going uh, to study Ephesians, and um, that you'd really be with us, Lord. Uh, again, we ask that you'd knit our hearts together, um, particularly as we, as we uh, Study your word together, Lord. May the word uh, really do a work in your people, uh, in our hearts, Lord. We pray that we would look more like Jesus uh, at the end of this time uh, in Ephesians. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was at uh, in the UCF Bible study Zoom, and we actually looked at some of these uh, parts of Acts. And uh, so uh, that got me thinking a little more about um, just this whole time in Paul's life, um, there's, there's some good evidence to, to believe that, that Ephesians was written uh, sometime uh, when Paul was in prison in or around Ephesus. Uh, if you read the, the Acts portion this week about that time in Ephesus, um, he, he came there in chapter 17. He came there and he actually was just there for a few days. Then he left and then he came back and was there for a few years. And during that time, it says in Acts 19 verse 10, he was reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And so Paul's, Paul's MO as he went city to city was he would hit the synagogue and he would preach Jesus as the Christ. And usually they tossed him out or got violent against him. And, um, and then along the way, he would end up finding some Gentiles and minister to them as well. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. And so this is a period of his life where um, a door for ministry had opened up in, uh, in Macedonia and in Asia, Asia Minor, um, which is where Ephesus is, is where Corinth is, kind of in, in the area around the Aegean Sea. And I do encourage you to, to pull up a map sometime of his second missionary journey. It kind of makes a lot more sense. Um, but this all started when he received a very clear word from the Holy Spirit not to go east uh, to Bithynia, but to go instead to Troas, and that happens in um, chapter, where does that happen? Chapter 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. This is uh, chapter 16, verse 6. Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go on into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so he ends up going into that region. Um, it says that they were forbidden to go into Asia. But if you look at a map, um, these are kind of small, smaller than you would think. Like the Asia that we, <laughs> the Asia that we know is, you know, as the biggest continent. It's, that's not what Asia was back then. Um, so they end up in the area around Macedonia, and uh, that's where uh, Ephesus is as well. 
but he, he's there for quite a long time and, and has, uh, as he says in a couple different uh, places, that it was a trying time. Uh, he speaks of his time in Asia in 2 Corinthians, the beginning of 2 Corinthians. Second um, Corinthians 1 verse 8, for we do not want you to be ignorant brothers of the affliction we experienced in Asia. And this is his second letter to the Corinthians. And he was uh, back and forth between Corinth, uh, Athens, um, Ephesus, and there's a few other cities that he's, that he's uh, visiting. Uh, but we do not want to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Another thing to note about this period of time is it's probably also, and none of this is for sure. It's, these are kind of guesses, uh, intelligent guesses, I think based on certain scriptures, but he also probably wrote Colossians and Philemon during this time as well. If you read Colossians, it reads a lot like Ephesians. And at the end of Colossians, uh, as he's giving his final greetings, he says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, which was another city around there. It's one of the churches in uh, Revelation. And to Nympha and the church in her house, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see also that you read the letter from Laodicea. So he was writing letters and sending them around. And these weren't just letters to uh, one city. They were letters to, they were called circular letters. They were letters to be read and then passed around. Okay. And so Colossians and Ephesians uh, contain a lot of the same stuff. It, it, there's some slight differences. Um, and then Philemon was a guy in uh, Colossae who uh, owned a slave named Onesimus that Paul had met and was sending back to him. But that's a personal letter addressed uh, that was sent along with the letter to uh, Colossae. So uh, Paul describes this time, if you remember in 1 Corinthians 16, that I talked about in the pastor's letter, uh, where he says, I want to uh, tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. He actually doesn't end up making it to Pe Ephesus uh, before Pentecost. As he's going back to Jerusalem for Pentecost, in Acts it mentions him, he really wants to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost. He wants to be there. Uh, he ends up passing by Ephesus uh, to Miletus and has the Ephesian elders come down and meet him there because he doesn't have time to go all the way back up. Uh, and tarry there until Pentecost. He was uh, running short on time. I think Paul uh, operated on CF time a lot, I would imagine. Um, so the, uh, his plan says, or his plans in the end of First Corinthians says, I will pass through Macedonia. I tend to pass through, uh, after passing through Macedonia, uh, I, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you and even spend the winter. Um, I don't want to see you just now, just in passing, but I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. And then he says this, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. 
And that's another, so what we know about his time in and around Ephesus, because it says he was there for two years and all the residents of Asia heard the gospel, both Jew and Greek. So he was in, but also around Ephesus. And then his section in Acts talks about um, a couple of particular incidents that happened. One had to do with these exorcists, the sons of Sceva, who were going around trying to cast out demons uh, by the God that Paul uh, names. And the demons say, well, well, Paul we know, but who are you? And they overcome them. So that's one thing that we know, one incident that happened. The other incident is this, is this big riot that had to do with the, the temple of Artemis. And so Ephesus was a very, uh, it was a large city. It would be considered a large city at that point. It was a major city. Lots of people were in and out. And so when he says a wide door has opened to me uh, for ministry um, and that the whole, all of Asia, both Jew and Greek, heard the gospel, his time in Ephesus was very significant. And um, the, the last thing I want to say about it is this. When he calls down the Ephesians elders to Miletus, he, um, he underscores some of the main points from the book of Ephesians. And I would encourage you to go back, if, even if you read it this week, I encourage you to go back and look at his, his parting remarks to the Ephesian elders. Um, he is an apostle who knows that very likely this is the last time he will see them. And so along with the, the, the book of the, the letter to the Ephesians and probably the letter to the Colossians and his, his remarks there, we get a very full picture of, of the essence of what Paul was preaching to the Gentiles, what he was going around and founding the church on. Um, this, these are the core tenets of the gospel, according to the apostle to the Gentiles. And um, so that's the big... That's kind of the big point I want, to, I want to make about the book of Ephesians, is that it's not just because we place a lot of emphasis on it. It's because what, what's in that book um, was written to address an, an area and, and a, a season of time in which a wide door for ministry had opened, and Paul was, was putting all of himself into this time of ministry. I mean, he was all over the place. He was in and out, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus, and, and he was in with riots and probably in and out of prison. And so this was a, this was a major time of activity in Paul's life and, and in a big city. And uh, just for reference, the, the city of Ephesus was probably around, in population-wise, around the size of Lexington, maybe a slightly smaller, but it was in kind of that few hundred thousand range. Um, and it was a big trade center, and a lot of people were coming in and, and going out. Obviously, it was a, it was a real center of, of uh, Artemis worship of, of Greek religion. Um, so there was a lot of spiritual activity going on there as well, uh, demonic activity. Um, so that's what I want to say about, about Ephesians, is that it, the reason it seems to be such a, a, a distillation of Paul's heart for the Gentiles is because it is. He was leaving them and that whole area with um, what, he, what he knew to be the, the essence of what they needed to live a life that glorified God, to be the church of Jesus Christ. And so I want to read, and I, I kind of want to just close with this. Um, I want to read his letter to the elders um, because I, I, it's just so powerful. And, and you sense there's this, 
they're all just weeping at, at what God's doing. It's a sorrow that they're not going to see each other again. But Paul's also kind of charging them and saying, listen, I'm releasing you to shepherd the church of God. You have what you need to shepherd the church of God in what I am telling you. You have the Holy Spirit and you have the teachings that I'm giving you and use those things together with each other to shepherd the church of God, to be the people that you've been called to be. And so uh, Acts 20, verse 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. You guys saw me for two years. Well, it was over two years. You guys saw, you, you guys know everything that went down. Um, and you, you saw the way that I lived among you. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. I mean, how would you, those of you, and I think all of us are seeking the Holy Spirit in these days, <laughs> how would you like to hear that from the Holy Spirit? Now, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city, afflictions and imprisonment await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. If, if I or any of you could utter that sentence genuinely one day, I will consider my life a success. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Could that just be a life goal for you and for me, to be able to one day utter that sentence with, with absolute genuineness? What an amazing thing to say. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now think about that. When we participate in the work of the church, we are caring for the flock of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Does that give you some fear and trembling about the way that you conduct yourself in the ministry of the gospel? You are caring for the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. 
think of the most of the most expensive fragile thing you've ever handled in your life that wasn't yours and just just imagine that feeling of dread that you would cause that you would be the the cause of any sort of harm or damage to that thing um, everybody's been in the situation where you break something that's not yours uh, multiply that out to infinity and that's the fear and trembling that that genuinely comes upon you when you recognize that the church of God was purchased with the blood of Jesus and it's not to be flippantly trifled with. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years, I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. There's the idea of being built up, uh, obtaining inheritance, and being sanctified by God, all of which are major themes of the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. I coveted no one silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. I love that detail. What a beautiful detail that Luke includes. And they were all weeping. Yes, most of all. I mean, and Paul had just said some pretty amazing, profound stuff, but they were weeping most of all that they wouldn't see his face again. And what a great, what a great detail for us in these days that uh, we, we have been entrusted with an amazing uh, a deposit, a stewardship from God. Uh, but in the midst of all of that, what is the best thing is that we have each other and that we can see each other face to face. And this is why this, this period is so, I think, difficult for, for many of us. Uh, I, I don't think any of us are suffering from, a, from being able to, to buy food or from the illness itself. Or, but it's the, it's the detachment. It's the fact that, when, when, that there's a real thing that happens when we're with each other face to face. And uh, I think that that verse says it all, that they were sorrowful most of all, that they could not, that they would not see his face again. Um, so it, I wanted to kind of set that context. And it's, it's a historical context, yes, but it's, but it's, a, um, it's, a, it's almost an emotional context for the book of Ephesians. These are, it, it's a... Um, I don't know the best way to use it because emotional is a bad word. Uh, don't write that down in your notes. That, that's not, I don't want, it's not the emotional context. It's the, uh, it's the sense of urgency in, in which Ephesians was written, the, the, uh, the tangible nature and effectiveness of the doctrine that's contained in the book of Ephesians for the work of the ministry, right? Um, Paul 
says, I labored to give you everything that you need to, to live the life because I'm not going to be here forever. And you're going to need to conduct, you're going to need to handle the church of God that he purchased with his blood. You're going to need to shepherd it and protect it and feed it. Um, and I need to give you everything necessary for that work to go on and to continue and to, and to thrive after I'm gone. And so Ephesians is part of Paul's labor for that church, that they would have what they needed uh, to care for the flock of God that he purchased with his blood. And so that's really what I want to say about the book of Ephesians. Let's read it over these next six weeks as apostolic direction uh, for, the, for the church of God uh, to do the work of ministry and to care for, the, for his flock that he purchased with his blood. We have in this letter uh, the things that we need. And it's not, every, it's not everything, right? Thank God that he's given us the rest of Scripture. Uh, but, but you see how Paul was just laser-focused on equipping these saints for the work of ministry, to use a phrase out of uh, Ephesians. Let, let's be equipped for the work of ministry uh, by the book of Ephesians. Amen? Let's pray, and then I would, we're here, I would love to hear any, uh, I would love to hear any thoughts that you have, or amens um, that you have uh, after we pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for bringing us together tonight. Uh, we do pray that you would prepare us uh, to engage your word, to receive your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would be able to one day say, uh, with absolute um, genuineness that we don't account our lives of any value nor precious to ourselves if only we may finish the course and the ministry that we have received from you, Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Lord, may that be true among each of us individually and as the whole of Emmanuel Christian Fellowship. In your name, for your glory. Amen.